This week we've been taken captive and held prisoner within the digital world of the computer itself. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a conversation about Tron and Tron Legacy. We watched them both. Which one's better? Which one holds up? How's that nostalgia really going? We're going to find out. Check the show notes for timestamps. We also talk about Moonfall this week, so that's a thing. Uh, Yeah, as always, if you want to reach out to the podcast, hit us up on Twitter. We're at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. You can find us uh, as Magnificently Huge Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com if you've got comments or show ideas. Find links to all of that at our website, maghuge.com. There you can find all the past episodes and links to all of the ways to contact us. Or, you know, just subscribe to the podcast, rate it on iTunes, uh, give us some love. All right. Uh, greetings, programs. Let's do this. Obey my dog. Kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. <laughs> it's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. AKA I'm Eric. Zoolander. Hi, <laughs> hi, Eric. I'm Brian. And what yeah. the hell was that? Just, I don't know. I apparently been watching Zoolander. This is what I freeball uh, an intro every now and then, and yeah, that was that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Prime Minister of Malaysia. Bad. No, it's stupid. I uh, we're watching uh, uh, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Ben Stiller and Christine What's Her Face were in it for a moment. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of Zoolander, and then that made me think of uh, Mugatu. Yeah. All one, right. One of Will Ferrell's finer roles. Let's be real. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. How are you, gents, this week? Good? I am good. How are you? God damn, you're freaking me out, Eric, now that you've got like a new job and you're happy and whatnot. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's distressing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Explain yourself. Explain yourself. No. I don't know. I'm I'm on I'm on good uh, antipsychotic medication and I'm exercising. Okay. Somewhere in between okay. there, I think is. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Eric's good. How are you, Brian? Okay. Good. Soda. I'm 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 keeping my lips above the waterline. <laughs> That's about all you can do. That's about all you can do. Well, I'm fine too. Thanks for asking. Uh, oh, we didn't ask because we never heard your name during the intro. I said no. it. I unless <laughs> okay. I didn't say it, in which case this is Chris. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe you said it and I wasn't listening. That's entirely possible. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I wasn't paying attention. Exactly. exactly. Hey, how about some fresh shit? <laughs> this shit is fresh. Have either of you been watching the, the book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus? No. I know Eric yes, hasn't because he let's, doesn't. I, okay, so I'm not caught up. I'm about four episodes in or whatever. So there's only and, like five now. So, uh, okay. Let me. This is not really a spoiler, but if it is, apologies. Uh, but when you do a show called The Book of 
Boba Fett. Let me just do a lunchtime poll. Do you expect that that show to be about Boba Fett? Yes or no? I expect a character that resembles in any way, shape, <laughs> really? or form the Boba Fett we yeah. saw in the movies yeah, to appear. There's this other character who calls himself Boba Fett, who is in this show yeah. that it's, is not the character I recognize as Boba Fett. Yeah. Let's let's break it down to you this way, Eric, since you're not watching, and you probably won't. Uh, the fourth episode of the book of Boba Fett is basically a backdoor season three pilot premiere for The Mandalorian. Boba Fett's in so, like the, this is what happened last week for three seconds, and then the entire episode is about The Mandalorian. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, Chris. I know that that's what's next, but I haven't seen that episode yet. Uh, well, let me <laughs> I tell did, you. I did get spoiled on it, and it's not like they didn't give a giant music cue in the previous yeah. episode saying hey the mandalorian's back next next week yeah but it, um but it really signifies the main problem with doing a show about boba fett in that they honestly don't know what to do with boba fett so it's just all over the map there's no engaging narrative and it's like at some point in the writers room they finally just said well you know what uh people just want the mandalorian so let's just give them that and they did. <laughs> one of my one of my former coworkers made a post on social media said, you know, four episodes in. Oh, so they figured out that the way to make a good episode of Boba Fett is to make an episode exactly. of a different show. <laughs> exactly. It's so <laughs> dumb. Well, see, my thinking is honestly like when I heard they were doing a Boba Fett show, I was like, fucking why? I mean, yeah, you, the exactly. Mandalorian is fine enough and it's all essentially original. I mean, yeah. there there weren't any characters pulled over from the other things, and you know, uh, uh, except for a cameo by a CGI Luke Skywalker, yeah. which was which, dope. I mean, there's no question that was awesome. But well, otherwise, it's all original thinking. To then pull in something from the movies, it's kind of like when they had to have Han Solo in the the new Star Wars movies. You didn't need that. It didn't need yeah. to happen. It's it's the bridge. Basically, the Book of Boba Fett has become like the fan service bonbon for the disney star wars shows because it's yeah. just literally like throw everything at tatooine and see what sticks is basically what they're doing and it's so dumb uh, but this, when you get to the Galax fourth episode Man? go go hello oh i was just gonna say this this galaxy it, that they're in is huge and so it makes sense that you'd have a ton of stories that don't ever touch each other but so every time they try and like pull it back to the original Star Wars, they make it yeah. small again, and yeah. that yeah. bugs me. Well, if you're if there's a bright center to the universe, Tatooine is the planet it's farthest from, and all the stories go to Tatooine yeah. for yeah. some reason. It's just yeah, it's like way too much um, fan service. It's just irritating. no, and and not at all good. Like I'm. This is this is the most boring Star Wars thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's the book of Boba it's Fett. Tough. It's tough for the first three episodes. Like they have two stories going on, right? Like there's the story of Boba Fett trying to take over Jabba the Hutt's territory, which keeps getting interrupted by Boba Fett going to sleep and dreaming about the time that he joined the Tusken Raiders <laughs> yeah. and like went on a vision quest was, yeah. and shit. Raised by wolves, and or it's whatever. just the most yeah. boring. God damn thing. Yeah. Well, but, um, but they get to the f the fourth episode and it's all Mando and it literally just shines a light on how much better the Mandalorian is as a character and a TV show. Uh, it's just, 
stark the contrast that they make. But it's done by Bryce Dallas Howard. She directed it, and she deserves as many directing gigs as people will hire her for because she acquitted herself fantastically. Like she did she, the she made some good episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, um, so it's it's fun, and she knows what she's doing. I don't want to get too much into it, Brian, because I don't want to spoil it for you. But they do finally find a replacement for the Razor Crest, which got blowed up in the end of the second season. But it makes no mm-hmm. sense uh, as a ship for the Mandalorian as a bounty hunter. I'll just leave it at that. It just it does not make a lick of sense that they would do this other than just to throw another bonbon, winky wink to the fan base. It's just I so, ha- I hate it. <laughs> the the Boba Fett show. Uh, some, some of the other things about it that, that just bug me, like Boba Fett recruits a bunch of like Star Wars mods, like literally kids that are driving around in, in (laughs) Vespa scooters, speeders. We are the mods. We are, we are, we are the mods. And, and, and they like try to make a big deal about how abhorrent it is that, that these guys are, are merging themselves with droid parts. And I'm like, dude, Luke Skywalker's hand, all of Darth (laughs) Vader, like, this wasn't exactly or Lobot. Like we've got people putting droid parts on themselves throughout Star Wars. This isn't a big deal. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just uh, it's it's obnoxious. Uh, it's a big dud. It's boring, yeah, is what it yeah. is. It's just slow <laughs> and boring. Like there's a reason that Boba Fett works from the OG series because he's in it. F- all for like five minutes has like five lines of dialogue and you can project as much of your own imaginary coolness onto him as a character he's just a blank slate and that's i think why he sustains over 40 years but when you give him the backstory and you outline it and define it it's like no that is it's like when lucas went back and did, did the prequels it's like no that's not the right story that's not how i remember it in my imagination so you fucked it up and so that's where yeah. it's just irritating. And it's all written by John Favreau, and he's just he's just not hitting the mark. Yeah. Okay, one other thing about the the Boba Fett show that's really pissing me off. So I'm watching this like under ideal conditions. I've got you know my 4K OLED TV, and I'm hardwired to my router, and, and I'm, I'm streaming this thing in <laughs> in HDR, right? right? But here's the thing. They made this show for Disney+. Plus. They know that this show is going to be streamed, and somehow the way they light it, it, like, gets compressed to holy shit. Like, anytime it's a nighttime scene on Tatooine, the, the dark colors just get compressed down to about three colors, and it looks like real player back from, like, 1993. Nice. And it's, it's just... They and, and when they show color, when they show light, it looks great. But so they know that this thing has to be streamed, and they do nothing to optimize it for the compression. Like they just—it's ugly. Yeah. It's just bad. I will. I will say this: <laughs> that the book of Boba Fett is the Iron Fist of the Star Wars TV shows. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm waiting to see what comes next because the Defenders wasn't much better. <laughs> like they started strong with the, the Daredevil show and yeah. it was just a downhill slide from there. So I'm, I'm looking. F- I'm I'm looking forward though to the Bosque musical comedy hour. I think that's going to be much better. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, yeah. there's enough Bosque 
comedy in the book of Boba Fett that no you're not <laughs> um yeah, yeah one of the things and this isn't really my friendship but one of the things that I can't not think about right is because this show is is airing every week contemporaneous with Peacemaker on HBO yeah and that's a different 45 minutes every week show that is like so awesome and and to go from Peacemaker to Boba Fett is just like from fun to boring, you know, yeah, at all yeah. times. <laughs> Pointless. Well, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? So uh, watch it if you're a completist, but by all means, uh, don't make it your your top tier must-see t- TV every week. I'll wait, because it would I'll just wait for the Christmas special with B. Arthur. I, 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 there you uh, go. That's what yeah. I want to see. Yeah. So. Oh, boy. So, uh... Chris, is that is that everything, or you got other fresh shit for us? Uh, I will just say this: I watched last night on Netflix this weird ass uh, stop motion animated movie called The House. Uh, that is oh. so disturbing. It's just it's creepy, and I highly recommend it if you like that weird sort of uh, like Lars von Trier, David Lynchian, Kubrick kind of vibe. But in an animated like Wes Anderson-y kind of style, it's so weird. Yeah, um, I hear it's like the fucked up Mr. Fox or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically, it's like three little vignettes all centered around this really creepy house in England. Uh, but it's just got a very uh, like Seventh Seal sort of vibe underlying most of it. Uh, like Bergman is really kind of there. It's this very like old school Swedish. Uh, art film kind of thing and then it's sort of like parts of it are really light uh, but parts of it are just not and so it's just you like get through the first vignette and you're like what the hell am I watching this is just freaking me out it was like an episode of the Twilight Zone uh, and it just kept going and it's just the craziest uh, like puppet designs like the first one, it's like they're people, but they're like you can tell it's felt, and they don't make any uh, effort to disguise the fact that it's just like furry felt on their faces. Yeah, and they've got like five heads with little beady eyes, and it's just the weirdest character designs. And it just from there uh, goes sideways really fast. And then the second one is uh, like a rat voiced by Jarvis Cocker, who's doing a reno on this old house. And then it turns into this like Twilight Zone thing. Uh, and then the third one is uh, about cats living in the house, but the whole London has flooded. And so it's like on a little island and they're basically stuck there. <laughs> it just goes from like bad to worse. If you want something weird and you want something kind of disconcerting, the house, totally for you. That's all I can say. <laughs> Okay. All right. Is is it recommended? Like, should I watch it? <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're a fan of animation, definitely watch it because it's spectacular to look at. Uh, the stories are very strange, and it's definitely a good antidote to all of the normal Marvel, Star Wars, whatever bullshit uh, that we tend to get force fed these days. So it's good counter programming. So I would say go for it if you just want something interesting uh, that might be a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. All right. So there you go. So Eric, lay it on us. What's your fresh shit? 
Okay. Uh, I signed up for Apple Fitness Plus. So it, it's this neat thing where I can exercise and they say things like, go, man, go, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the My thing watch is, literally congratulates me for like breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, like Peloton, I remember everybody going all nutty about having a Peloton. This is basically Peloton for whatever shit you have around the house and it costs a lot less. You know, it's like a Peloton costs several grand. Basically, so you can have a, a video of a person going, go, go, you can do it. So, yeah. like, if you pour, like, a big full glass of milk or something, does it, like, great rep, bro? You know? No, no, it's it's okay. it's like, okay, it's time to do your rowing. So, I have a rowing machine. And so, I it, like, says, okay, we're going to do an hour. And, okay, we're, we're going into the heavy burn. Go, wow, row, 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 row. Okay, now we can cool down. Now we can do cool down. And the thing is, if I was just rowing... I would just, you know, row, but this is like, it pushes you. That's the thing. It, it's a lot, a lot cheaper than a gym. It's worth it. It's worth when it. When you're on your rowing you machine, do you actually sing, uh, row, row, row your boat at any time? No, no, no. But that was funny. Um, uh, <laughs> you sing, we're on a row to nowhere. No. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, yeah, it keeps me moving, makes me do it. It, it makes me want to fill rings. But the thing is you have to have the Apple watch because everything is based on how much work you're, it says you're doing, but you have the Apple watch. It's, it's, it's worth giving it a shot. So, so basically it's like you have become your own Tamagotchi. Like, kind of. You've got to move. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's exactly it. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeding myself and I'm exercising myself. And uh, if I do it right, I won't die. Yeah. yeah. Nice. There's Eric's uh, new Twitter tagline. I'm my own Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> In a sense, we all are. Right? Um, well, fuck me. I'm not. I watched the first half of Ozark. Because they fucked me. They, 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 it's like, okay, final season of Ozark. Yay. And then we get to the final episode. Oh, we're splitting it in two. You uh-huh. bastards. Blame you Jason fuckers. Bateman. Blame Bateman. They pulled a, pulled a walking dead on us. Yeah. And I'm watching this going, I don't see how the fuck they're going to end this by tomorrow night. And you know what? They didn't. But it is every bit as Ozark as anything is Ozark. You know, it's plenty of, oh shit, how is this going to end? Uh, did you like it when they brought the Mandalorian back for the mid part of the season? <laughs> <laughs> I think every show should just do that now. Oh, uh, we're, we're stuck for narrative. Let's just bring back Mando. Uh. <laughs> uh, I have no response to that. Yeah, right? that's <laughs> other than to you. say, other than to say that is far more apropos than asking me if I sing "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" while on a rowing machine. But that is, that is good. That <laughs> I'm is just, good. I'm just projecting. When Chris said that, you. I'm picturing like the the overly energetic coaches being like, "Come on, buddy, row, row, <laughs> row that boat, row it gently down the stream. Come on, you can do it. One more, now one more. Uh, Life is but a dream, baby. Row." Yeah. But like, merrily, uh, goddamn it, merrily. <laughs> but yeah, like, like. uh Tony Little or whatever that guy's name was that does the <laughs> the DVD videos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and finally, uh, watching Pam and Tommy on Hulu. You gotta watch you this. Would. I highly, oh. re- highly recommend this. This is a Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg joint, if ever there was. They all have that kind of look, and they are all consistently good. 
And this is, yeah, it's, it's the story of uh, Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee and their sex tape. And uh, yeah, I, I, I watched this and I said to my wife, you know, my, our parents, they got Richard Burton and uh, Liz Taylor. We get this. <laughs> yeah i just and they're yeah they're dopey and you know they're i i do have sympathy for um pam anderson that's 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 fucked up yeah. but it's, it's the whole story that i never knew like the guy it's, it's basically a carpenter that tommy lee fucked over who then broke into his house and shenanigans occur yeah hmm it's, uh, it's and it's it's uh, Winter Soldier as Tommy Lee, right? Like yes. Sebastian Stan, yeah. okay. which you forget that he can actually act. Like I saw Hot Tub Time Machine again recently, and I forget that he's the the jackass uh, ski patrol leader mm-hmm. that, that beats Rod yeah, Cordry no. up. And it's just like and you for, you forget that it's him, and then you're like, oh shit, that is Winter Soldier. Holy crap! It, so yeah, yeah, you know, uh, he he was the Mad Hatter on the Once Upon a Time TV show. Really? Which was uh, written, created and written by the, the two jokesters who wrote the movie we're going to talk about today. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, so it's better see. than yeah. the oh, dirt, yeah. right? And there the is dirt. a whole scene where Tommy Lee has a conversation with his penis. And we, you know, we've seen the talking with your penis thing for years and years. That's nothing new. The way they do it is so startlingly real. <laughs> you're gonna you're you're gonna shit your face off when you see him having a conversation with his penis, voiced by uh um, uh, oh boy, what it just Jason Manzukis. That's it. Jason Manzukis says the voice of his peepee. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but so this is it's better fucking than fucking amazing. But it's better than the dirt, correct? The dirt, the Motley. The Crue? dirt was a the Motley movie, movie about uh, Motley Crue um, on Netflix. Oh yeah, that that was pretty good. But yeah, I think this is you know probably a more realistic interpretation of Tommy Lee because he's a fucking douchebag. Oh, and this was originally <laughs> he was going to be played by um uh, uh uh what's what's his name the guy who got in all the trouble James Franco, Franco. but okay. obviously they couldn't do it with James Franco because James Franco is radioactive. And yeah. Sebastian Stan apparently had to sign just like a shitload of waivers because of the sex scenes, because they wanted to make sure that he didn't, you know, like he's not known for being an asshole, but they wanted, you know, it on paper that he would not be, he would not take advantage of all these sex scenes with a woman, you know? Wow. And I think mm, it's okay. because of Franco, not because of Sebastian Stan, but because, yeah. you know, what they just got through with this motherfucker james frank franco's who's not coming back i don't see him coming back well good who cares right yeah yeah okay and that's yeah it's gonna be james franco and kevin spacey in a new movie called fuck all (laughs) y'all co-starring mel gibson yeah co-starring johnny (laughs) depp yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay um all right so my fresh shit um one of the few movies that I didn't see that came out over the last few years, we watched on, I think it was on Hulu uh, this week. And this is The Upside with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Oh, boy. Um, so this is this is a movie about an, um, a guy, you know, a heroic guy, Brian Cranston, who wants to die. 
because he's been in an accident and he's lost his wife and he's now a quadriplegic and he just wants to die. And then Kevin Hart has to show up and fuck up his whole life and keep him from dying. That's what this movie's about. They, uh, oh, no, it, please, I mean, please tell me they don't kind do of like is. the magic Negro kind of motif. Please tell me that doesn't happen. It's, well, I guess it's a remake of some French film, but... But basically, it's supposed to be based on true events, and Cranston is this rich guy whose life has just been fucked over, and Kevin Hart is is this ex-con who ends up being his um, his do-everything person, you know, basically his hands. So, and like Nicole Kidman's in it, driving Miss Daisy. It's yeah, it's more along those lines. It's you know what? It's it's fun. It's good. It's not. It's not great, but um, I think the performance is good. Brian Cranston is really good in this movie as as the quadriplegic guy. Kevin Hart is not at his most Kevin Hartiness. He's restrained, which is good. Um, is this like Kevin Hart trying to do uh, like a go straight kind of a role where he can get more like dramatic work, like a Will Smith trajectory? Um. I mean, he's still he's still got a a mouth on him, but he's not like shrieking and wailing and running around like a goofball. So yeah, a bit of that. Do you think we'll see him do like a Jamie Fox thing where he plays <laughs> like I don't know, like who's left to play in a biopic that'll get Oscar nods? But yeah, Kevin Hart is in the Gary Coleman story. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Eh. I, who I knows? don't. I don't like movies like that. I want for once there to be a movie about a guy who wants to kill himself, and other people go, "Yeah, you probably should." You know, that's a, that's just a short one. movie. Just a short movie. Yeah, I mean, a guy who's like a quadriplegic. Yeah, I think you can let him off the hook. You know, what? That, that's kind of my point. Is you know what? I I I really think that if you can put your affairs in order and you want to step off the face of the earth, you sh- you should yeah. be you should have that freedom. That's freedom, right? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Jesus, um, if he only had a there's rowing a great machine. movie. There is a great movie with um, I can never remember his name either. The guy from Close Encounters, the guy who's always Richard like Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus called "Whose Life Is It Anyway?" Where he's oh. basically suing to let the hospital, uh, you know, kill himself. And I'm like, yeah, that's realism. Let's let's see a movie. Let's see that get remade for Christ's sake <laughs> with James Franco. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then and then my other fresh shit. Boy, okay, so I really wanted this to be like the next hurricane heist and an episode of our podcast, but Moonfall isn't it. Um oh. I've seen is it. Is it good? Is it good? Is it good? Is it It's so stupid. It, yes! It's, it's so stupid. A, I love disaster schlock. <laughs> And it goes with the whole, it uses the whole uh, uh, conspiracy theory that the moon is constructed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, very much. Yeah. Yeah. So So this is, it's Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry and uh, John Bradley, who was, um, who was that guy from the Night's Watch on on Game of Thrones that was like the librarian, whatever his his character's name was. Yeah. so it's, but, this is basically like Roland Emmerich doing like Independence Day meets 2012. That's the impression I got from the trailers. <laughs> so he's basically cannibalizing. You mean awesome much. crossing lanes with awesome? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like my my shit. Yeah, it's it's 
I got to say, there isn't as much, like, wanton destruction as, as I was expecting for a movie oh. where the moon is crashing into the Earth. Yeah. What's there is very, very well executed. Don't get me wrong. And, yes, New York gets it again because <laughs> Roland Emmerich. Um, Why don't they ever do, like, uh, but, another city? It's just, that's New York. It's shorthand. Let's just kill it. <laughs> At this point, it's just a, it, it's like a motif. You yeah. know, it's it's like, you got to play the hits. Yeah. I think but, it's because uh, like international markets don't understand the metropolis that is Twin Falls, Idaho. Yeah, well, they should. That's all I'm saying. Oh, is this but, is this now you getting all snitty now that you're like a Chicago uh, uh, resident? No, I'm all for any movie that wants to destroy Chicago, like the Blues Brothers. I'm here for it, buddy. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, Moonfall spends the first hour trying to actually be a movie about characters and I'm like get to the thing yeah. already. <laughs> Come on. Seriously. And and I got to say okay, so not not to bury the lead on the rest of the show, but the script does make more sense than the first Tron movie, but that's not saying anything. This movie is aggressively stupid. This movie is just like one character literally has a line where he's like, she's my ex-wife. She's never let me down. Like in a sentence, <laughs> like just <laughs> um, on a scale of, on a scale of Emmerich's, where would you place this? <sighs> I mean, I gave up on Emmerich a long time ago, so I don't think I can actually do that justice. It's tough, right? God. It, it's no hurricane heist, sir. It is It is not as enjoyably <laughs> dumb. This is just like, you okay. need to be dumber. That Get is, dumber. My, uh, my You're not is, dumb enough yet. My, Get dumber. My wife, is going, my wife is going to visit a friend this week. I am going to go see this, and well, I yeah. will... I will weigh in on its Emmerichness because I am I am I'm fully on Team Emmerich. Yeah, you're a fan. Uh, okay, boy, and I'm getting really drunk, Eric. <laughs> as for story, though, comparing it to Tron isn't fair because the first Tron was the Seinfeld of sci-fi. It's about nothing. <laughs> well, uh, I remember. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. get there. But this this is so script-wise, what this most reminds me of is like those bad science fiction movies from the 50s that you'd see like on a Saturday afternoon on the UHF station, yeah. you know, the kind of movies they'd make fun of on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Like, the script is like that. It's like, okay, we have to explain the gobbledygook, and here's the, you know, well, well me, Jimmy, the, the reason that's... for the bullshit and the stuff <laughs> is because the science-y talk is the, is the maybe, tech tech. And, maybe yeah. that's why I like these movies and you don't, because I used to watch those and go, you know, this would be so much better if it like looked better. Otherwise, up. I don't well, care. Well, yeah. then this is your movie, because it looks better. <laughs> But yeah. it's the same level I, of script. I had this. I had this exchange on Twitter recently where someone was asking about Moonfall and like it better be good. And I'm like, is it a sequel or is it the prequel to Moon Forty Four? Because that's the first thing I think of when I think it's Roland Emmerich. It's got Moon in the title. Stuff happens. Eh. So it's. I really yeah. am, am curious to see it's how he could top what he did last time to top what he did last time. It's like he's run out of gas. More spec. No, more spectacle, less butt rape. Oh, God. <laughs> There's no helicopters on the moon. <laughs> I mean, if you're worried about there's no helicopters on the moon, 
just don't see this movie because man there is so much a real dragon wouldn't do that in this movie it is just dumb when i see the trailer it's it's another roland emmerich movie about the scientist who figures the shit out but nobody listens until it's too late it's like how many movies are you gonna make with that as your fulcrum it's just come on man including midway midway has the exact same thing and and patrick wilson plays that guy too yeah so it's uh enough already emmerich I bet you Eric will love yeah. it. It'll be his new favorite in the oeuvre. I, I don't think Eric's going to think it's better than 2012. That's I haven't seen 2012. Yeah. But I haven't my seen, gut says yeah. it's not as good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I haven't seen anything that's as good as 2012. So yeah. I, I <laughs> the, the, that was definitely his Hamlet, his Aida. It was like, we're going to do all the stops. And I, I figure actually after that, he could have probably just, you know, yeah, jumped off up. the World Trade Center because he was done. You yeah. know, it's like that was for th- there's nothing left to do. For people that don't know, uh Eric loves 2012 and basically mm-hmm. if you can ever find anybody that loves you as much as Eric <laughs> loves 2012, <laughs> yeah. you are set for life. Stay with them, yeah. <laughs> I and I the thing is I love disaster movies so much and he loves disaster movies so much that he keeps making them the problem is we need a better disaster for him and i yeah. don't know what that is yet yeah it's I tough, mean, right? the moon crashing into earth really should have been that uh, yeah but but it makes me think of the the independence day sequel when the ship that's so big it has its own gravity smashes into the earth i'm like okay that's over the top there's nowhere to go now you know you've just blown <laughs> your load welcome to earth yeah. That's, that's what I say. Um, yeah, Moonfall. I'm, I, I, yeah. yeah, see it on a big screen because it's it's got pixels yeah. in it. But I'm, boy, I'm sorry it was disappointing. Leave Brian, your brain at home. But I'm glad that we were not going to do a show about it because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, guys, go back and listen to our Hurricane Heist episode. <laughs> when a movie is is dumb and fun, boy. Is that a good podcast? That, I still, uh. it's. I think it's still on Netflix. I think I saw, or it was at one point, and it's just, it's so much fun. Even when you rewatch it, I cannot explain it. It's like crack, hurricane heist. I was still working on my theme song. <laughs> it's a moonfall. <laughs> moonfall. Yeah, really. ah. All right, that's the fresh shit. So. Um, do, 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 what have do, I done? Do, uh, <laughs> <no> I, <laughs> I was like, hey, you guys want to do Tron and Tron Legacy? And we're like, sure. Yeah. And then we watched them, and now we're here to talk about that. Let me ask one's you One's a um, demo reel, and yeah. one is a relatively interesting story. Did you end up watching, <laughs> either of you, the, uh, the cartoon show Ancillary that came out around the time no. of Tron Legacy? I, I watched I, about half of that at the time when it yeah. came out around <laughs> it's 2013 like, it's, or whatever that was. It's basically um, reboot is all it is gussied up. So it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't go anywhere. And yeah. so I, I got bored with it. Yeah. Uh, Watch it, Eric, and let yeah, us know I what didn't, you think. I didn't know about it ex- until we started this, you know, Tron. this whole thing. Uprising. And I remember after the second, after Tron Legacy thinking, uh-oh, this didn't do well. I guess we're not going to close up all these plot points we opened up for sequels. Yeah. Uh, and I figured the cartoon would do that, but, you know, I guess not. Well, there you go. No, the cartoon is more of a prequel to the to Tron Legacy. Yeah, it's like the middle. If anything. It's the middle. Gra- yeah. It's the Book of Boba Fett of Tron. 
from it's the <laughs> Animatrix of Tron. <laughs> of Tron. Um, so 1982, yeah, so let, man. Let, Come on. Let, we'll... Let's get into it. Yeah. 1982, out of just nowhere. I mean, it's it's impossible to experience the original Tron the way we experienced it in 1982. Yeah, because right? Media the, the kinds of visuals, the computer animation, like literally anyone who was doing anything in computer graphics got roped into this thing to do shots. Yeah. And it is... And it's like... It is yeah. nothing mind, you've ever seen before. Yeah. yeah, bear in mind how blown away we were with Pitfall. The 2600 Pitfall <laughs> right? was the dopest shit anyone had ever seen. So then to come into Tron, yeah, this is a huge step up. Like, I remember, I because I didn't actually, I'm a full confession here, I didn't see Tron in the theater when it came out because my family apparently sucks and uh, didn't take it. <laughs> uh, like, I missed that whole thing, but I remembered around the time that the the arcade game had come out, and it was everywhere. And I remember seeing on, like, Entertainment Tonight or some shit where they were talking about the premiere of Tron, and they literally had, like, the walkway lined with all of the arcade games for Tron with the, mm. blue, the blue handle and the whole nine yards. And to this yeah. day, like, I can't think of Tron without thinking of the when you get to the light cycle phase. That's just, like, stuck in my brain. <laughs> and so that is where I got, I'm I got to say that I think that the, the, the Wendy Carlos score to Tron is actually best performed by the arcade machine. Mm -hmm. When I think mm -hmm. of the Tron music, I think of that yes, version. Exactly. Of, yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you, like, and you... You spin the knob and Tron's arm does like a clock because it's the graphics are still pretty yeah. basic because it's 1982 as he's being floated up into the MCP universe. <laughs> that was always my thing. You like crank the knob as fast as you can. So he's like a windmill flying up. <laughs> that was my thing. It, it's, it's a classic game. It's a classic movie. Tron comes out and it's just like nothing anyone's ever seen. And, and, and yeah, it was... It was it derived was, from a Steven Lisberger, who was an animator who was doing like the Animal Olympics leading up to this. Yeah, uh, he had like a, a a technique where he was using mats and shining lights towards the camera through the mats, and he made this animation of a character that he called Tron. It was used as like promos for radio stations in the late seventies, right? And that's how he sold this movie. He. <laughs> He got Disney of all people to make this thing. Yeah. Huh. Well, because nobody else would buy it. It's him. the first. It's the first movie that had actual computer animation in it, right? Yeah. Well, let's be real. To my knowledge, it's the, yeah, it's the first yeah. video game movie. Period. I think this is the but genesis. Also, the first thing right? that had like whole scenes that were generated on a computer. They didn't yeah. look great, you know. But it was the same same kind of shit they used in Last Starfighter. But it was yeah. The first, yeah. Well, I mean, the beginning. No, well, I mean, you, it was the first. Well, you can go back to was, stuff like Westworld, where they were doing like really brief snippets with Yul Brenner Vision, well, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, then, and the original Star Wars yeah. had a wireframe thing for the trench run briefing. Yeah, but so, um, but this was the first time where they were doing still, like full. This is this is so far beyond that. This is where they really got into, and again, they're doing multiple techniques here. You know, they're doing height maps and they're doing constructed, you know, solid geometries and. Yeah. They're doing all the all the early CG techniques, and it doesn't necessarily even have a cohesive look. Like the same thing can be rendered by two different houses in different scenes, and, yeah. and 
have a different look to it, but they right. get away with it. Well, what's funny to me about um, it is that they do all of this techie stuff, which is, you know, we were like, uh, like 11 or 12 when it came out. So this should have been a slam dunk. I love, even as a kid though, I'm looking at it going, well, this is just like, you know, Mary Poppins song in the South Disney, where they just basically insert the actors into the whole stuff. But they did so much stuff with green screen on this, like chroma key or whatever. Uh, that when mm-hmm. you look at it now from a technical standpoint, it's very impressive. I mean, it's like this is 1982 and they're doing stuff a decade or so earlier than most everybody else was jumping on for it. So it's kind of crazy to look at it from that perspective. It, it looks like nothing else. Yeah. When they're in the computer, they, it, they also have a very kind of canned audio. That it, it, In the theater, I remember it, it being being more so but the point is you really felt a different world right and i i I appreciated that it wasn't just that it looked trippy you're in something else yeah you know and i think that was the thing i appreciated the most oh and i saw this in the theater with brian i think this was our first date in 1982 (laughs) july of 82 you guys saw this awesome got i Man, you know, I'm like 11 years old. This was the shit. Yeah. yeah. I love this thing I'm, at that age. I'm right? still look back at this and I'm pissed because the week before uh, was Blade Runner, Megaforce, and The Thing. And then <laughs> this came out against Secret of Nim. And then like the week later was like Six Pack with uh, Kenny Rogers. It's Six like, Pack? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> and, and I think uh, the last that? the last movie I got dragged to before Tron came out was Author, Author with uh al pacino wow (laughs) so that gives you an idea of where my family was at so that that kid friendly fair yeah yeah so (laughs) fuck that so i didn't see tron until it came out on uh video or something maybe i saw it on the disney channel i don't know but yeah i got i got dipped (laughs) yeah you know you know one of the kids with the kids in that was uh multisanti from uh the sopranos really yeah, well, it's a, it's a weird casting choice, right? Because you got uh, you got Jeff Bridges, pre dude. Uh, so this is when he was just doing like anything and everything, and didn't really have a persona. Uh, you've got Cindy Morgan, who was in Caddyshack as Lacey Underall, uh, yeah. who's just basically the sexy scientist, as far as I can tell. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner, pre Scarecrow and Mrs. King, pre Babylon Five, pre Babylon Five. Uh, and then one of the the guys in the programs who I think he's Ram is Billy the Kid yeah. from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> so, oh, you're right. And yeah. so every time I watch oh, it, that's like I'm like, oh, dude, you're gonna have so much fun in about seven years. <laughs> so, it's, so it's it's crazy. And then David Warner uh, is the baddie, and that I think yeah. is what sells it for me. Who's like, and he's a he's a good pick because he's always willing to be like psychotically evil. Yeah, you know. But in this one, and it's, they all have to wear the most ridiculous skin tight outfits imaginable, and 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 they're all like and foam. somehow play yeah. this seriously. Yeah, nothing they say has any bearing on anything that makes sense to any rational human being. Yeah. It is just one hundred percent gobbledygook what they're spitting out well, yeah. throughout this movie. But that's the thing. Hey, with Tron. Uh, something just occurred to me: the voice of the MCU isn't that the same voice as uh uh. You know my dad, God, he wants you to stop masturbating. From <laughs> it's basically, uh, yeah, it's your basic real voice genius. Modulator. I think it's the same voice. Yeah, I I thought it was David Warner doing MCP as well. Probably. Yeah, 
Um, but it's just, yeah, but it's, it's just a goofy movie. Like if you scrutinize it at all, it falls apart because it's basically just Wizard of Oz inside a computer. I mean, that's pretty much all it is. <laughs> so it's a very simple story, very basic. Uh, it doesn't really make sense if you try to fit all the pieces together, but whatever. It's like... Even even the pieces don't make sense yeah. together, but man, was there design. This is like Blacklight Poster the movie, yeah. right? Like this, <laughs> this, is, this is just... But, the, um, but let's be clear. It's the only reason that you would watch this movie today is the light cycle scene. That's it. I mean, it's there's no there's no other reason except for that whole sequence where they put them in the games, they do the light cycle, and then they like disappear into the the nether regions of the computer. I mean, that's I guess, but I like the whole Spartacus vibe of this thing where he's like, oh, I'm in a video game playing a video game. This is kind of cool. And then he realizes that the other person he's playing against fucking dies. And that's when things yeah. get serious. And yeah. it's like, that's kind of interesting. They don't do enough with it because yeah. it's Disney. But well, no, the, the, the ring game was actually a revelation. Like that scene plays like gangbusters for me, even to this day, like. Yeah, the ring game and the light cycles <laughs> I love the, are, are the highlights. Yeah, I love the ring um, game in the movie, there's though. There's some stuff with the recognizers that's pretty cool, too. Well, the stuff with the ring game um, is they're wearing, like, these uh, highlight things on their hands. <laughs> it's yeah. just so yeah. goofy to look at it now. Because when you get to Tron Legacy, they finally just realize, well, no, we'll just make them do discs. I mean, screw it. And they don't do any of the extras. Uh, but it's just funny to watch how they stage but, it all. But yeah, I mean, it is, it was creative and it was, it was, again, it was just visionary, right? Like I know a number of artists that worked with me in the game industry that, that like got into being artists because they saw Tron when they were kids and they're like, yeah, I need to be a digital well, artist. Like this, yeah. this thing was well, that's the thing, a is big it, deal. And from a design it, standpoint, well, the movie didn't make a lot of money. I mean, it did okay, but it was, I mean, Disney ended up writing off like $20 million or something. Because uh, it just didn't catch on, but it's one of but those like, cult. but yeah, it's one of those stealth movies where suddenly, uh, ten twenty years down the line, you get so much stuff that bears fruit. I mean, like uh, John Laster has basically said that Pixar would not exist, Toy Story would not exist without Tron because he saw it and was like, mm-hmm. oh sure. Uh, and then you would get stuff like The Matrix. Matrix is basically Tron as a skeletal <laughs> narrative. Yeah. Uh, so you mm-hmm. so you get all of the stuff that sort of transcends the movie and sort of elaborates on the tech, but you still have that little nugget, that stupid little movie in 1982 that everybody kind of scratched their heads at and went, oh, okay, and then suddenly. I mean, there there were things about it that you just kind of had to like accept a, a, the movie on its terms. Like first of all, the whole premise that a person can go into the computer world, yeah. and come out right. I like am- that alone is a pretty. Big leap. I, I like how he's in there and it was like, um, he's, he's a user. He's a user. Yeah, the <laughs> whole like, notion of users is, as as their gods yeah. and the whole religion. The notion that all of these programs have feelings, right? Like mm-hmm. they get uh, angry. They they laugh. They they get upset. Right. They they need to sleep. At one point, they need to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. They need to drink um, water. Yeah. Which is yeah, actually the, not water, but and water. They, yeah. And they speak it's cocaine water. Yeah. It's it's cocaine water. And they speak that. that that's what. They speak Jackson English. Up. They don't speak in binary. I mean, it's just, yeah. But if you, like I say, if you scrutinize it at all, the whole thing falls apart. Cause it's like, well, we're, are they on a server somewhere? 
can't somebody just turn off the server? I mean, it's like the start, the stuff you start thinking about when you're watching it as an adult, just going, this doesn't make it goddamn sense. Like, what are they on a, is there a modem in play here? Like, is he 56K? What's going on? I don't understand how he's doing this. Well, they, they were on a mainframe. I mean, this was, this was before personal computers yeah. and it was where things were mainframes. And so that actually kind of worked. Yeah. Um, I love that they put their passwords in clear text, though. I thought that, yeah. <laughs> that I love, was fun. I love the desk that Dillinger has in his office, which is like a totally, like, this is the future. It's the giant iPad. Yeah, and basically it's like the touchscreen, <laughs> QWERTY keyboard and the whole nine yards. But then you still get the voice coming in going, I'm very disappointed in you, Dillinger. It's like, oh, God. I, I guess maybe the idea is that this life inside of the computer is like that Simpsons episode when, uh, 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 Maggie, uh, Lisa makes the, the colony and she, she, she puts the tooth in the Coke and it ends all the germs end up forming like their own society. Yeah. It's like any closed society or a closed system will form life and it's not necessarily biological life. This is, you know, based on electrons, but the idea is effectively the same. And then when you get to the second movie and you have this outside life that nobody programmed that yeah. just comes into existence. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like it's, they're not part of a programmer system. It's just life makes it, itself known. It's as, as any, anybody I, who's ever watched one of these movies, you can just do the Goldblum. Life uh, e, uh, uh, finds a, uh, a way. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like yeah, happens. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need to know. Uh, I, I, I do want to make a couple jokes at the expense of the character Ram. Right. Uh, Ram was an actuarial program for an insurance company, and he's the one who dies. And I'm like, so did they have an insurance policy on Ram? <laughs> did we run out of Ram? My wife says, well, he's just a memory now. Boom. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, it's just, he's so random too, right? Thank you. And, and then the other thing that they did in this film, and it was clearly a pickup shot, and I have to assume it was because of the video game. Um. There's like two shots of grid bugs. They're flying along on the solar that sailor. That's the worst part of the movie. That there's <laughs> nothing that, that forgives that moment. I want to punch shit when I see that. Yeah. yeah and and there's times. clearly like ADR of the female program saying something about let the we're in trouble if the grid bugs get us. And they never nothing. come. Just two shots yeah. and they never recur. The, oh, yeah. well. That was just for the video game. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Uh well, I mean, it's just like uh, the around so the, angry as a kid. I was like, "What did we just see?" That's yeah, yeah. Up. Well, it's like this, at around the same time the crawl video game came out, and there was a bunch of shit in there that wasn't really in the movie. It's just how they did it. Get over it. <laughs> and and there is one shot in Tron where there is actually a Pac Man on screen. <laughs> well, yeah, Easter eggies. Um, on that on that big panel that Sark is looking at that. Makes no sense, and only in one shot is there a Pac-Man sitting there on the well, side of the screen, just going chomp, chomp, chomp. Well, there's also, the, and I don't remember corn. where it is, but there's a shot where they just real brief, but like everything sort of aligns to make the head of Mickey Mouse briefly as a nod to Disney. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stupid <laughs> Easter eggs that you can look at. It's really dumb. Uh, but ultimately, it's like the, the saving graces for me are, like I said, the light cycle. I I love Wendy Carlos's music, like. You hear bits of like Clockwork Orange and all the other stuff as well because it's, I mean, oh, sure. the tech is not advanced enough in 82, so they're still borrowing a lot of the same sounds, but it still kicks. Uh, and then, well, yeah. 
Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I was about to transition. Say what you were going to say. Uh, but just at the very end when you get, I mean, it's literally like the game where you get to the level where you have to play Breakout with the MCP and get the disc in. Uh, I think it's very faithful to the game, and to this day it still makes Tron a very playable game. End yeah. of line. End of line. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah, if it's just about, like, a game adaptation movie, yeah, it's serviceable. Yeah. But it's really just, again, like, a, a, a tech demo with a bit of a story behind it so they can charge people money. Yeah. But then oh, the, game, go, the game was the game of the movie, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But then, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. They didn't exactly... Yeah, okay. Um, but then you get a sequel out of nowhere that nobody asked for that I think, you know, you know it, it's superior. Yeah. I mean, they actually yeah. tried to give it a story. It's got some failings, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> that we could talk about. But yeah. I got to say, when I first saw this, I was so pleasantly surprised. I right? thought this was just going to be, you know, like a dopey Disney movie, you know. I'm, but I'm, it was yeah. I'm saying I'm <laughs> saying. It's, so I'm going to challenge you on the nobody asked for it thing because there was a there was a cult that was very hungry for this, and Disney did a hell of a marketing campaign for this movie too. But all the way up to including to to gauge fanboy interest in it and to see if they could come up with anything interesting, they made a the TR2N the Tron Two teaser. Right, and they made it in secret. It is you can find it on the DVD extras. Yeah, it's a scene of a guy um, running around, you know, being hunted by something, and they they showed this at Comic Con during the Disney panel with no introduction. They're just like, and here's the thing, <laughs> and they show this dude imagine? running around, and then he jumps up and does the stick out and turns into a light cycle guy, and the audience freaks the fuck I would out too. right I would shit my pants if i was and then there. yeah oh totally yeah and and then at the end of it you know he's he's cornered and he's caught by this you know this enemy combatant and he's like what it's just a game and and then they do the reveal of young jeff bridges face and going not anymore and he kills the guy and the audience just shits their fucking pants <laughs> <laughs> you won okay it's just a game anymore we didn't get that movie though unfortunately no yeah. <laughs> but and, and I again mean, though i think that's that's i would have shit my pants too but because i didn't see it coming because nobody was asking for it you yeah. know it's well, i don't remember a letter writing campaign saying flynn lives it's well, just out of thing. nowhere disney we had is, a movie as a and giant, it was pretty goddamn good disney is a giant entertainment conglomerate can see dollar signs when they need to and they saw how culty this had become, so they figured, why not? That's the impression I get reading up on it. They just said, we, well... And after, after the budgetary decisions of John Carter, I think they didn't quite, they didn't quite look at, like, this is what it costs, and this is what it yeah. needs to make. That was well, the big problem. Yeah. It was a fucking expensive movie. Yeah. Disney's looking at, at their library, right? And they're like, we, we need... And Disney's always had this problem until they just bought Star Wars and Marvel, right? But they, yeah. they were like, we need our cool series, you know, and they, yeah. the black hole didn't, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. it was there, but it didn't catch. We need Disney. Tron was there and didn't catch. Disney and, Star you know, War. That's what this is. They're just hoping. Yeah. So, but 
but they had this IP just sitting there and yeah, they they brought this thing and and I got to say, yeah, it is a much better script cuz it's at least a coherent story about characters. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's <laughs> I don't even mind the fact that they they do the the biggest no-no for sequels for me, which is basically just rehash and repurpose the exact same flow through from the first movie. But I give it slack because it's like 25 years later and it's basically just another Flynn going into the computer the whole nine yards. Where it falls apart for me is when you get to uh, Flynn as the old man trapped in the computer and he's just basically the dude. And that's when it makes it funny (laughs) to me. And so I... I disagree so wholly and completely. Really? Okay. <laughs> this is like, like it isn't a retread because in, yeah, in the first one, this, this guy, he's got a reason to, you know, be pissed with this MCP that, that pulls him in and that's okay. So yeah, the story is Flynn, a programmer has his idea stolen. He goes, uh, trying to get proof, I guess that he got ripped off. This this computer program written by the bad guy uh, becomes more powerful than the bad guy and somehow ends up using its techno laser things to suck him into the game. And when he gets out, he shuts. He's able to shut down the MCP with his disc, and then he proves that he got his shit stolen, and he owns the company, and everything is wonderful. Yeah. The second movie is his kid years after that guy disappears, and he isn't trying to so much prove anything as he's just a little asshole you know yeah this he's is the first li- problem with this movie is the yeah. casting of charlie hunnam or what was his garrett name headland. is that his name garrett headland garrett headland sorry not Char- apologies to charlie hunnam who's actually not doesn't suck but <laughs> garrett headland is just a douche yeah and yeah. it's not in the script he just plays him as a douche yeah. because that's well, who they he, cast well, look at his hair sucks look at his hair that's all I'm gonna say, but yeah. Though again, I would say the writing is very good. Maybe his portrayal in uh, use of that writing isn't the best, but that's exactly what I'm saying. The f- script yeah. is fine. He, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> Maybe he's the reason this didn't do well is because our lead character just was unlikable. I don't yeah. know. Well, but I well I but again but anyway he ends up in it and it, it he finds his father and. His father has a second son, which is Clue. He made a mm-hmm. digital son, and he had a real son. And this becomes the story of the prodigal son, where Clue is like, why do you love him more than me? I've been the one who's been here the whole time. Yeah, That asshole mm-hmm. hasn't. And it's like, yeah, but I thought he was dead, and now he's alive, and that calls for celebration. You, you, you're, you've always been here, and you will always be here. Yeah. And it's, I mean- it's like... When I figured that out, I, I my mind was blown. I was like, "This is a Bible story yeah. in a Tron." Well, that's movie. what I love about those <laughs> that they 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 don't make any bones about the fact that uh, all of the red dudes are basically just Romans, and this is just the Jesus yeah. Christ story. I mean, it's like that's it's literally writ large, especially when they start talking about the ISOs and how it's just this uh, like immaculate conception the kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, and then suddenly they become the pilgrims. And- and they're in the they're in the Coliseum for the games. Yeah, I mean the games are no longer for the users; they're for the other programs to watch. Death. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, <laughs> and so they they amp it to eleven. Uh, but the thing is just art directed to it to within an inch of its life, and I yeah. it's just pristine, and it's it With- bog, boggles my mind that this is Joseph Kaczynski's directorial debut yeah. because the thing married is married to 
the most perfect soundtrack for this for any kind of movie. Yes. I mean, you've got yeah. yes. you've got the Daft Punk mix of Daft Punk and orchestra, and you've got that art direction you talk about, and it's not like the Matrix is just all sort of black and gray. The yeah. original Tron is just sort of gray and whatever primary yeah. color the character it's has. airbrushed this is, yeah. largely. This is like yeah, full this is sort of a mix of the two of like heavy color but black and white yeah. and gray. It's it's everything is either a void plasticine or LED, yeah. right? Like it's 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 yeah. definitely got an aesthetic. Here here's here's my beef with Tron Legacy. And and it's it's only a few things. One, I, I Garrett Hedlund, fuck him. Yeah. Uh two, where it fails for me is when it tries to do what was cool about the first Tron movie. Specifically the light cycles, and at the end, the light jets. Yeah. Okay? So, the light cycles in the first movie, that scene still works for me because it is just so unique, right? Like, there's a shot in the first Tron where you're seeing light cycles from the from the first-person perspective, and he's got to deal with the fact that there's walls fa- forming a maze, and he's just like, you know, instant 90-degree turn, instant 90-degree turn, dink, 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 right? And it's only could happen in a computer. These light cycles have way, way too much physics and not enough computer to them. Well, right. And yeah, I look at it this way. And though, the light it's... jets are are even worse because they literally stall out if they go too high and the guns jam. It's a fucking computer. Yeah. Well, that, the, the thing with, that should not happen. Well, the thing with that end sequence too is it's very uh, Escape from the Death Star. Like we need you up there, kid, and then he's in the you know, in the gunner thing doing the thing. I mean, it's it's an homage to to Star Wars almost at that point, which you know I guess they can't help it. Nah, the, light, the, uh, the light jets they were trying to one up the original and they just blew it. Yeah. I the, thought the, the light jets looked awesome. Oh, and they look I cool. I think you're doing a. I think you're caught in a no. A real dragon wouldn't do that moment. Yeah. You know. Well. I'm I'm caught in an I don't understand this world for the same reason that why is there vapor and lightning and rain <laughs> in the computer yeah. world, especially when it's at the point where Clue has perfected it? Why is because, it raining? Like, that signifies yeah, <laughs> that's Flynn's work. That was part yeah, exactly. I mean, like all of this shit was Flynn and Tron and Clue making a world, and they probably made a world with physics that allowed for planes. And in fact, if they were actually thinking like the the intro suggested, a world for people to come into, right? Cuz that was his that was the whole thing that a VR thing. Flynn yeah. was saying, yeah, when we all enter this space, it's going to change everything. They were forming a new world. They had to create some things that were recognizable yeah. like gravity and altitude and weather. I mean, I buy it. Yeah. Or, or there was an opportunity to do something you'd never thought of and never seen before, and it was a missed opportunity from my perspective. I, well, I just, I right, feel but like then, they but could then have you done got, something. But then you got to ask. But then you got to ask, why would they make something for normal people that no one has ever seen? Yeah. That they would not know how uh, to interact with. Because that's the most Tron thing you can do. Tron was a thing no one ever seen before, now, and if you're I, going to make a movie called Tron. What are you giving me that I've never seen before? I'll tell you what they did. This was the big coming out of de-aging tech. Yeah. It sounds that- to me, though, like this is like like what you're saying basically is a real dragon would do that, but it wouldn't make the movie better. Well, and also he's forgetting <laughs> the fact that it's produced Maybe. by Disney, which uh, they're going to dust off an old IP that's got some cult value, but they're definitely not going to take too many risks 
because you're not going to throw $100 million at a movie that you know is going to fail. So that's why you're going to get uh, light cycle scenes amped up to 11. That's why you get the, the fly copter thingies. I mean, it's, you know, it's there to look cool. It's there to be fun. It's not there to make sure that you see something new and unique that you didn't get in the first movie. This is just a polished version of the stuff that they laid down in the first movie. That's a sequel. Yeah. So, sure. You know. And, and it is very polished. And don't get me wrong. Tron Legacy is a better movie than the first Tron. Yeah. I mean, I did but, the double feature thing. And yeah, I, Tron I Legacy so is, is definitely uh, yeah. a step like, up. Well, again, Tron this is, is all but unwatchable. It's close. <laughs> but for me, it's again, it goes back to the light cycles because there's that moment in the games uh, when the light cycle's about to start and then everybody like zips off and then it's just Sam with that bar and then they cut to the slow motion and that Daft Punk music comes in and it's just like this mm-hmm. weird transformation where he jumps, the light cycle forms and then he zips off. Like that is the most perfect 15 seconds of movie in my mind from 2010 <laughs> it's like it hooks me every fucking time i will sit to, if it's like on cable i'll sit down and i'll just start watching Tron legacy and i won't turn it off until i get that sequence because it's just it hooks me every time i don't know what it is but it's it's just the melding of of music visual it's just perfect so yeah. that's where i'm at i feel that i feel that way about when um the the girl who i can't remember her. olivia wilde cora olivia wilde shows up in that car and they escape mm-hmm. that that use mm-hmm. of the music for the driving scene i was like man if that alone was the preview i yeah. would have i would have been on board i love too when she pulls up and i totally wanted to do like a kyle reese go with me if you want to live i mean like, the blown opportunity <laughs> blown but whatever <laughs> yeah and and yeah her character's name was cora yeah because she's the new avatar uh but oh um yeah. no she uh <laughs> She, uh, but she also does the thing that's kind of the the fifth element thing, where she's the the wide eyed innocent, yeah. right? And she's who kicks eager out, to learn, kicks a lot of ass yeah. too. So it's yeah, it's fun. But yeah, like you were saying, you get the the de aged uh, Jeff Bridges for Clue, which is kind of disconcerting. It's not quite there yet. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute, because because it doesn't hold up, right? Like the de aging, and it didn't really work at the time. It was very uncanny valley. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. I totally don't care about that for Clue. Where it bugs me is when they're trying to tell me that that's the human of Flynn. Like there's yes. a scene where where it's him in the house with his kid. I almost want them to like go back and and yes. do a a remaster of this where they just fix that character and not Clue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I exactly. was actually I remember thinking like okay, that that computer generated uh Jeff Bridges is fucking perfect for Clue. Because he looks like him, drained of all humanity, and yes. that's what makes him such a great villain. Yeah. But for the actual flashbacks, I was like, get a couple of shots from Against All Odds, or you know, uh, any number of films he did at the time yeah. where he's young. You know, Fabulous Baker Brothers. There's there's some shot of him walking through a door, smiling, and then closing it. They yeah. could have used. Well, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil uh, the next book, Boba Fett, for you, Brian. But they do some similar stuff with. Skywalker and uh Jeff Bridges oh, is in Boba yeah, Fett. I've yeah, heard. yeah. Uh I've heard. So it's I'm just the de-aging thing, whenever I hear it's in use, I'm always very skeptical because it's sort of like it's good for short bits, but when you do an entire 
uh, deal with it. It just it's they're not there yet. They're not there, and especially I don't here. even think. I thought the Carrie Fisher de-aged section in Rogue Squadron was so terrifying. Yeah. Uh, maybe partially because she had just died, but also because that thing looked like a corpse. That thing looked like an animatronic corpse. Well. Yeah. But, you know, it, they, it is they it is. The, the best I've seen them do, the de-aging thing, was the Robert Downey Jr. thing in it, one of those movies. I think oh, it was yeah. Iron Man 3. Yeah. And and um Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Those two work. Um that's about as good as it's gotten. Yeah. But again, um, this... I'll give the Mandalorian a small pass for being a television budget. Um Well, here's but, here's but the yeah, thing. They're they're not quite there yet. When you watch that one, uh Mark Hamill wasn't even involved. They basically just uh synthesized his dialogue from past ADR recordings. <laughs> so it's like Oh really? Yeah. They, he was involved in yeah. in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Not in, that a, one not in this one. So I'm interested to hear your take on okay. it. Okay. But but here it's like huh. yeah. I, when it's clue, I give it a pass because t- in my mind it's like, well it's inside the computer, so who gives a shit? So it's there it is. <laughs> uh I imagined them shooting that 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 DH Skywalker thing with Mark Hamill and him saying, hey, you think maybe in this one scene I can say Ryan Johnson can suck my dick. You think I could have him say that? Uh, that whole thing was nothing but yeah. a fuck you for ruining this, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. This is the way. Uh, oh, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> uh, but I will say this too in Tron Legacy's uh, other assets category. Uh, casting Michael Sheen as Zeus yes. is fantastic. Well, because- Michael Sheen... Yeah. Michael Sheen as David Bowie as Exactly. This. Yeah, it's the it's the, <laughs> yeah. the thin white duke like from top to bottom and I'm like I love this interpretation and I'm guaranteeing you that that's all Sheen. That's not in the script. Mm-hmm. That's just him going, "Yes, I feel like we need to do some Bowie and really sell it." You know? Yeah, he's he's just like, "I'm going you can't take the camera off of me. I'm going to get edited into more shots. Watch me move." Yeah. yeah. But when when the shit's going down again, and he's doing like the top hat dance, it, the kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like if you're gonna have that character played by him, why wouldn't you? It's like mm-hmm. you, you there's not much going on with that character. You could ha- you could cast anybody in that, but if you're gonna cast him, you know, you're looking for somebody to <laughs> come up with something up. creative yeah. and kinky. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's like the Merovingian of Tron Legacy. Yeah, basically. But, we need someone yeah. to, to add some zip to the end of the second act. Uh, so people don't get yeah. tired, <laughs> which works, <laughs> which works. But, uh, but then when you get the grand reveal that, uh, Rinsler, who's like the, it basically like every like sci-fi movie enforcer, like the dude from Hellboy with the blades. I mean, it's that vibe or he's just mm-hmm. this unstoppable killing machine. And then you find out that he's basically Tron that has been, uh, repurposed and reprogrammed. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like by the time they get to that reveal, Tron. yeah, you're kind of like, eh. Boy, was care. that arc on the cutting room floor because none of that made any sense, <laughs> yeah, right? It yeah. was yeah. just like, other than he had the same lights on his chest that Tron had, yeah. which like made you know who he was immediately. Well, then, but then you got to do the flashback it, scene where you get the dude, and then we did, it, you know, Tron really tied the rug, the room together. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Tron tied the grid I, together. That's there you go. I, I, I was, I, I was scratching my head a bit. You know, uh, Flynn has the cocaine water and his at his pad, uh, but there's also a scene where they're eating 
mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Why is there food in Tron World? What? Huh? Well, I look. At, <laughs> well, I think they addressed that in the first Matrix with Joey Pants talking about the steak. He's like, I know it's not real, but I can smell it. I can taste it. I mean, it's that thing. It's just you know, simulacrum uh, kind of a deal. Hmm. I think or, it's just there to keep again, you sane. Like if if they were trying to build an online world for people people to come into they probably had to address things like you know proteins and fats and carbohydrates you know they they, they, people need to continue to live but then i that what i wonder is if you're in that that universe you are the size of like you know a few atoms it's like you you, you've got to be pretty basic in your layout maybe you don't need to eat that's what i'm saying (laughs) like why? <laughs> it seems I yeah. I don't take a break to sit down at a meal if I'm playing World of Warcraft, right? Like I'm not like I don't have to do that well, in the game. You're anyway. not like most people. <laughs> most <laughs> most people who play World of Warcraft, I, I assure you eat too much. Yeah. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, Tron, Tron <laughs> Legacy. Uh, I don't know that they're essential viewing at they're, this point. I mean They're not. They're they're fine. They're they're definitely landmarks in visual design, mm-hmm. but they're not great. No, they're a missed opportunity at a franchise, and then we have enough fucking franchises so good. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, if they do Tron 3, they need to wait 30 years uh, and then maybe do it, uh, I don't know, better than Matrix Reloaded. It's still kicking around at Disney. They, they keep almost starting it. <laughs> Give they- it to Wes Anderson. That's what I want to see. Yeah. There you oh, go. Taking oh, it a whole a different brilliant Taking idea. it a whole different direction. Yeah. Dang, dang, and and then do a whole thing where it's like it takes place 30 years after the second one and huh, can you believe that's what people used to think it was like living inside of a computer. <laughs> no, but dude like Only since- if they put Bill Murray in a in a foam rubber sphinx costume so he can be the IO Tower Wozniak guy. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Oh, I think we've nailed it, fellas. We've nailed it. <laughs> nothing else to say all right well if we've nothing else to say let's end the show hey all right if you like the show subscribe to the podcast share it in social media feeds with your friends spread the word we always want new listeners and hey if you want to reach out to us with show ideas or whatever uh hit us up on twitter we're at maghuge m-a-g-h-u-g-e uh, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram as the Magnificently Huge Podcast. You can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And for links to all that stuff, so you don't have to remember, just go to maghuge.com. You'll find the links. You'll find our old shows. And uh, see what we're all about. Catch you this later. This is the way. End of line. This is the way. End of line. Oh, end of line. End of line. End of line. End of line. <laughs> yeah, end of line. This is the line that ends the way of the line. <laughs> I literally want want us to record like a a spoof preview for a Wes Anderson Tron because I think that would be brilliant. End of line.